Some of you know I majored in history when I was in college. And all throughout my history classes, uh, you sort of notice that a bias forms uh, that modern people have uh, against people who lived a long time ago. Uh, for example, because people showed love and affection maybe a little bit differently than we do today, uh, people would look back at medieval era or even earlier eras and say, you know, these people, they weren't loving, they were very harsh. Same thing could be said with uh, science and things like that. Because these people weren't technologically advanced, we sort of look back on them and we judge them as being uh, simpletons or things uh, of that nature. And so, so many times during my studies uh, up at Western, uh, the professors would sort of have to defend these earlier cultures, not just for being loving people, but also uh, judge them for actually being quite smart, uh, considering what they had. They would point to things like the buildings that uh, were formed in ancient times, that uh, the ruins are still there. They built these uh, structures without so much of our... It's actually very impressive. Uh, so these people, again, they weren't idiots. They were very smart, actually, okay? No, in Jesus' day, they didn't have all of the scientific knowledge that we have, but they at least had enough scientific to knowledge, enough scientific knowledge to know that when somebody died, they died. Okay, they at least knew that much science. So when rumors started spreading that this man named Jesus had died and risen from the dead, they didn't just accept it blindly. Okay, they were actually very skeptical. They wanted proof that Jesus had risen. Okay, people were out there saying, the tomb is empty. Jesus has been raised. And the skeptical people said, well, of course his friends just stole his body. He's not really alive. These people are lying because they're embarrassed that they believe he was the Messiah. And so the apostles... They had to confront these rumors. And we even see that in the gospel that we just heard, okay? Uh, it's circumstantial evidence, I get it. But the fact that they point out that the burial cloths were still at the grave site uh, was telling, okay? A grave robber would have taken the body and just uh, removed it. So the fact that the burial cloths were still there, it was an important detail, even though it is circumstantial evidence. But the apostles, this was an argument against their faith that they had to confront right at the beginning. In the reading from the Acts of the Apostles, St. Peter, he's giving this speech. And his evidence for the resurrection, it was his own personal testimony that he had seen Jesus alive and that he had seen him ascend into heaven. His evidence was that he had personally experienced the risen Christ. He said, we are witnesses of these things. And his own personal testimony here, it convicted many of these people listening and they were baptized. Now, I believe the testimony of St. Peter and the other apostles. That's probably the main reason I believe in the resurrection. And the reason I believe their testimony 
is because their actions after the resurrection make no sense to me if unless they were telling the truth. Okay, the apostles, we know, faced many hardships. They were imprisoned. They went on incredibly difficult journeys to foreign hostile nations just to tell people that Jesus had risen. We know from archaeological evidence around surrounding areas that were known to be hostile, we see Christian images uh, that date back to this time. Okay, St. Paul, for example, he experienced a shipwreck on one of his journeys. And all but one of the apostles was tortured and killed in unthinkable, unthinkably horrible ways. The only way that makes any sense to me is if they had actually seen Jesus alive. If they had actually seen Jesus risen from the dead. I cannot fathom that they would have suffered all of these things for the sake of a lie. This is one reason I trust the testimony that Jesus had been raised. But important testimonies do not only come from the apostolic era. We also see evidence of the resurrection in the lives of so many of our saints in the church throughout history. The lives of the saints, they can't be explained by some type of superstition or some type of fear uh, that they're going to go to hell or something like that. The lives of the saints are explained by a personal encounter that each one of them had with the risen Christ. All right, Mother Teresa, for example, she didn't go seek out the poorest of the poor in the world because she was afraid that she'd be punished if she didn't. All right, she believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, and she had a life-changing experience with that. This is what led her to go serve the poorest of the poor and to believe that Jesus was somehow united with them. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, uh, the philosopher uh, sometimes called Edith Stein, after she, joined her, after she converted to Catholicism and became a nun, she took the name Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. And she did not voluntarily go to die in a Nazi concentration camp because of some superstition or some fairy tale that she had heard she too had an experience of the power of the resurrection in her own life. The same could be true, uh, the same could be said, rather, uh, for the martyrs throughout history, like the Japanese martyrs. If you saw the film Silence, you know about the brutality that the Japanese Christians had faced. These were ordinary people who never renounced their faith despite brutality. Some of the missionaries renounced their faith, but the Japanese people who were martyred, they didn't. They suffered some of these horrible things. And I can't imagine that they did that because they, got, they thought that they got some free ticket to heaven, to some type of paradise. Okay? I believe that they experienced real goodness in Jesus that they had not yet seen in their own particular time and place. And this transformed 
their life. It transformed the way that they saw death itself. But of course, I even see evidence of the resurrection right here in our parishes today. And I specifically see evidence of the resurrection in so many of our elderly parishioners. These parishioners, uh, so many of our elderly parishioners, they're from what's been called the greatest generation. And so many members of the greatest generation, uh, they're considered great because of what they lived through and what they endured, and certainly that's true. Members of the greatest generation lived through very difficult economic situations. Many of them started from scratch and made a, a wonderful, uh, incredible life for themselves. Others went off to fight one of the greatest evils that we have ever known in World War II. So certainly these things make them great. But what makes them great in my eyes is the love and peace and joy and generosity that I see in them. When I talk to our elderly parishioners, there is so often a goodness uh, that I don't always see in my own generation. Right? There's a real deep goodness there, and it is generational. I think many people my age, I'm in my mid-30s, I think so many of us see our grandparents and think it's just normal to reach an old age and to be a happy, sweet, joyful, and generous person. But I don't think that is normal. I don't think it is natural. I think so many of our elderly parishioners are good because they've tapped into a source of goodness. And after so many years of living their faith and making their faith such a central priority in their life, sacrificing their time and sacrificing their finances for it, that some type of goodness that isn't of the world is actually taking a hold of them. It's actually dwelling within them. That, for me, is evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. All right, And that's what gives me a lot of courage uh, to live my faith and to keep myself going uh, through times that I find difficult. Now, of course, again, there's that question of evidence. Again, even the apostles wanted evidence that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so it's okay if we sit here and we think that we need evidence today. Remember St. Thomas, okay? He didn't believe right away. He needed evidence. And the exact evidence that he needed to see was he needed to see Jesus and he needed to see the nail marks in his hand and he needed to see uh the mark from the spear that had been thrust into his side. And of course, uh, God knew that. Jesus came to Thomas and he actually showed him the evidence that he needed to believe. Uh, that might be where it starts for a lot of people. Name the evidence that you need. Tell God what the evidence that you're looking for. Tell God the evidence uh, of what it is. That might be where it starts. That where it's, that's where it started for St. Thomas. That's where it started with so many people in the apostolic age right through today. And after we get the evidence that we need to believe in the resurrection of our Lord, that same goodness 
that grasped the apostles, that same goodness that grasped the saints that we celebrate in the church, that same goodness that grasped so many of our elderly parishioners here at St. Rose, that will take a hold of us as well and lead us into goodness and lead us into a life of faith in the resurrection where the love of God drives out all our fears, drives out all our sin, drives out all of the things preventing us from flourishing as God wants us to flourish.